0: Speak. So high above our greatest song, but still you call, and we will come. amazed by who you are lord we lift you high oh god be magnified you will overwhelm my heart I'm amazed by who
1: And Father, we just come before you one more time, Lord, that um, we would allow you to minister to us through your word through your through our worship, Father of you, that we would just let you speak to our hearts and Lord, I also pray as pastors on vacation that he would just be enjoying the time with his wife and his family and and just getting the rest that he needs. and We thank you so much for a faithful pastor who just loves you, serves you, and is so dedicated to to his church family and in your word. And Father, we just ask that you bless them and keep them, and we welcome them when they come back. And we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you guys go ahead and greet one another. Say hello. (laughs) Thank you, Mike. Well, good evening. As I prayed, uh pastor's on vacation, just enjoying the time off. He's been really busy teaching at the college and going out there, all the way out there in Yucca Yucca or twenty nine palms, I think, wherever it is, way away. And and with Christmas and with Thanksgiving and all the different services, it's about time that he took a vacation. He rarely does that and it's good that he does. So uh, tonight, uh, we'll be in Daniel. Um, I've been, every time I come up here, I've been teaching through Daniel and doing a couple of teachings per chapter. We're in chapter 5, and what's was really funny is, i um, <laughs> share with you, I, uh, so the last time I was up here, I, I taught. and. I thought I taught in chapter 4, and so Paul, and he's gonna, he needs all the scriptures so we can load them up. He says, okay, well, get them to me by Thursday so they can make sure they're in there for you for Sunday night. I'm like, oh, okay, no problem, and so I'm going through, and I'm getting together, and something like Wednesday, I realized I had a question. I was looking at Daniel 5 and going through, and I pulled out a commentary that I like to use, Matthew Henry, and I kind of go through it, and and I open it up, and I look, and I'm like, wow, I've, I've already got notes in this commentary on, on chapter 5, or the first half of chapter 5, and some scriptures, and I circled some things, underlined some things, and had some notes in the side of it, and I'm like, oh, that's weird. Well, I got my answer, and so I go in, and I start entering my scriptures in a, of, on a uh, uh, Word document so that I can send them out to Paul, and I go in, I open up, and I look at where I store all my studies, and I'm like, Daniel chapter 5, part 1, what? I already taught half of Daniel chapter 5, I already remember, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm losing it, you know, it's just been busy and all that, I'm like, oh, well, I can't do that again, I'm going through it, it's like a completely different study, it's like, still Daniel chapter 5, I started it differently, and just kind of went through, it. I was like, well, I'd rather start from the latter half, anyway, so, I already taught on t- chapter 5, this is part 2, if you want to know, and I have a title for it, and the title is, What Writing Do You See?, because obviously handwriting on the wall will get it, whatever. Anyway, what writing do you see? And, and really I might might be well titled to be, what writing will you see? And so we'll start in Daniel chapter 5, we'll pick up in uh, verse uh, verse 18. And we'll go through the 22 and then we'll pick up the rest a little bit later. But starting in verse 18, it says, O king, this is uh, Daniel speaking, O king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, the kingdom and majesty, glory, and honor. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all the peoples, nations, languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beast, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. He fe- they fed them with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses. Verse 22, But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all of this. Belshazzar was accountable before God with what happened to, actually, it's his grandfather. So it's interesting, because a word was given. The word was there, as it was always shown, and especially through his, his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, and what had happened. But it's interesting how Daniel finishes this, although you knew this. I mean, he's really, he's telling him, and it's kind of like, well, what gives Daniel the right to speak to the king like this? Quite fascinating. So I want to just look at just a couple things with each of the chapters kind of catch us up because now from the beginning of daniel to here we're about 65 68 years into this and it's fascinating so with daniel chapter one let's just go a few few pages back we look at daniel 1 8 everybody really kind of knows 1 8 it says but daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And so, when we looked at that, I titled that study "Are You Before the Lord?" And and there's there's two kinds of being before the Lord. I, I talk about Nimrod was a mighty man, a mighty hunter before the Lord. In other words, he cared nothing for the Lord. He was in front of the Lord. He didn't care. He was before the Lord. Where, whereas we can look at Hezekiah when the Assyrians are encamped against him and all that. He took the letter. And he went in before the Lord and laid it, laid it before the Lord. And so you're looking at Daniel, he's definitely before the Lord. He purposed in his heart. He set his mind on the Lord and the desires that the Lord had for his life. And the foundation, which is God's word in his life. Knowing what God desires, and more importantly, doing it. Was James say, you know, let's not be hearers only, but be doers of his word because he purposed in his heart to keep himself sanctified set apart for God and so it's fascinating at the end of chapter 1 we can look at verse 21 it's kind of this verse is stuck in there it says thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus wait a minute that's what we're going to look at tonight chapter 5 So it's just kind of funny that it's stuck in there in chapter 1, but we'll look at that a little bit later. Daniel chapter 2, when we looked at those verses, let's look at uh, chapter 2, verses uh, 14 to 19. It says here, Then with a counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Ariok, the captain of the king's guard, who had come out to kill the wise men of Babylon. So Daniel's one of the wise men of Babylon that's going to be killed. Why? And so we look at that. Well, they were unable the wise men outside of Daniel were unable to interpret a dream that he had in fact the the king is so figuring out these guys that they're just going to tell him what he wants to hear and he says you know what I'm not even going to tell you what my dream is I want you to tell me the dream and then I want you to interpret it and so Ariok he go, Daniel goes to Arioch, verse 15 he says he answered answered and said to Ariok the king's captain why is a decree from the king so urgent Then Ariok made the decision known to Daniel so Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation then Daniel went to his house and he made a decision known to Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah his companions that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning the secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision so Daniel blessed the God of heaven so chapter 2 we looked at that and are you where God wants you? Daniel knew pretty clearly that God wanted him there before the king. So much so, went to Arioch and he went into the king. Daniel walked into the king and said, Hey, I need some more time and I'll get this for you. He knew God placed him there and that he could do this. That he could only do this through the strength of God. And in fact, later on he tells the king, he says, Well, nobody can tell you except there's a God that can. I know that God. And that's when he shared it. So, uh, so with counsel and wisdom, he was able and encouraged. He went in with, him with before the king. So the question really is in chapter 2, are you acting like you're right where God wants you? Are you acting like it? Are you confident in that? It's fascinating. Like James. James tells us, well, if anyone's lacking wisdom, pray, pray to God for it, and he'll give it to you. So it's not like, oh, God, I need wisdom. Well, I, I don't know what to do. And, and you get to the situation, I don't know what to do. I, I, oh, man, is this the right? To, is, if you pray to God for that wisdom, he tells us that he'll give it to us. Then move forward like he gave it, like he's promised to give it to you, that wisdom. If you go before him in prayer and you know you're called to do something and you've prayed for that wisdom, move forward. He's given you the wisdom. You're going to make the right decisions and do that. And so the same thing with Daniel. He knew he was called to go there. He went in before the king because, you know, he knew God put him there and he acted like it. Daniel chapter 3, the theme uh, th- theme verses, I guess, if you would have that, three twenty four and 25. We can read, the king Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose in haste and he spoke, saying to the counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said, O king, true O king. So you had Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refused to bow down before this 90-foot statue, which everybody in the entire kingdom was supposed to bow down when there was music and all that. And they said, well, no, w- we, we can't. We won't worship this image. So verse 25, he says, Look, he answered, the king answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, They were not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. And so the king cast him in this fiery furnace, and all of a sudden he's looking, he sees four. He said, wait a minute, didn't we send three? I see four. Are you at peace in the midst of your trials with Jesus? Are you communing with Jesus Christ so that when people see, they see you with him they see you in that trial in fact I, I think about that trial I think how incredible that's a pretty big trial to be cast in there like that you're in front of thousands and thousands of people and the king is so angry at you he throws you into this furnace Furnace. in fact the two burly guys that throw him in they were consumed by the fire just by casting those three friends of Daniel's in there But the fact that they were so at peace, the king literally called them out. They were so at peace. They were hanging with Jesus in the midst of that trial. They were just hanging with him, not worrying about anything else. They were so at peace and so filled with what God was doing through them. They were okay. The king literally... Had to, can you imagine being in a trial like that and you're in such a trial that you're like, well, but I'm so close with the Lord right now. I'm so close with him. I, I don't need to come out. But nonetheless, they came out and they ministered to the king. And so Daniel 4, Daniel 4, we look at the verse 4, chapter 17. I picked as a theme verse. And it says here, it says, the decision the, the, after the dream that uh, Nebuchadnezzar had in w- interpreting the dream and the purpose of the dream it says here in verse 17 the decision is by the decree of the watchers the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men gives it to whomever he will and sets it over the lowest of the men and so the 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 question is what is it going to take so chapter Four, verse 28 we can catch on and so what happened was is the judgment was being given to nebuchadnezzar on what was going to happen to him if if he just didn't follow the lord and recognize that god is the one who is in control and so verse 28 through 34 six verses it says all this all of these things came upon him what we read a little bit earlier at the um, all of this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months he was walking about in the royal palace of Babylon the king spoke saying is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power for the honor of my majesty in other words he's saying God had nothing to do with I did all of this and he had this dream that told him what would happen to him Daniel interpreted the dream and said, you know, the, the day of reckoning is coming and you're going to be cast out for seven years. You're going to be like a wild beast. And here it goes, verse 31. While the word was still hanging in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from you and they shall drive you from men and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen and seven times shall pass over you. seven until until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. That very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men, ate ate grass like oxen, and his body was wet with dew in heaven until his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. And then looking at uh, even through verse 34 at the end of the time i nebuchadnezzar lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me that i blessed the most high god and praised and honored him who lives forever just as daniel had prophesied you're going to go through this until you know god is in control and and nebuchadnezzar writes all of these things about the lord and then verse 37 just finishing off with that part now i nebuchadnezzar praise and extol and honor the king of heaven all of whose works are true and his ways justice and those who walk in pride he is able to put down so these are the things that daniel is now coming before before um belshazzar He's lived this life of 65 years working for his grandfather and then now he's retired. But all of this so that he could know Christ. And so Daniel chapter 5, verse 22. What did we just read? But you, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all of this. He's held accountable. He's there. And so... the the, when i did the first part of this study is the the question is what are you doing with his stuff what are you doing with god's things and so both daniel and belshazzar at the same time saw the same writing on the wall that we're going to look at here how how would i see it how would you see this writing on the wall what would it mean what would it be saying to you to me and so how does Daniel have, to speak, have the right to speak like this again? He earned it over 65 years of following God faithfully. Secondly, he was confident where God had placed him. He knew where he was. He knew God put him there before the king. Thirdly, the, the, the king saw the peace of Christ, even with Daniel's friends when they were cast in that fiery furnace. And fourthly, it's been confirmed as to who God is to Belshazzar through Grandpa. Grandpa himself confirmed that it was God that gave him this, this kingdom. And so which really leads us up to 2 Chronicles chapter 36, verse um, uh, verses 15 to 21. 2 Chronicles 36, verse 15 to 21. It says here, And the Lord God, of their father sent warnings to them by his messengers, rising up early and sending them because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. So the Lord is talking to the Israelites, is what this is recording. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people, till there was no remedy. There was no remedy. The only remedy is this. Therefore, verse 17, he brought against them the king of the Chaldeans, Babylon, who killed their young men with the sword at the house of their sanctuary who had no compassion on the young man or virgin. On the aged or the weak, he gave them all into his hand. That's God gave them into his hand. And all the articles from the house of God, great and small, the treasures of the house of the Lord, the treasures of the king and of his leaders, all these he took to Babylon, Who took them to Babylon? The king of Babylon took them to Babylon. But what, what's God doing? He says, well, they're going to be captured for 70 years. I think I'll take all my implements and I'll store them away for 70 years. He store, literally, God made a provision that the people could go back and worship the Lord with all of these things a little bit later. And so he orchestrated the safety of those. And he could have left them there and they could have been destroyed, but they literally packed them away and they were untouched for 65 years until... Belshazzar comes along in verse 19 then they burned the house of God broke down the wall of Jerusalem burned all the palaces with fire destroyed all its precious possessions and those who escaped from the sword he carried away to Babylon where they became servants to him and his sons well Nebuchadnezzar and then now his grandson we're talking Belshazzar so and his sons until until the rule of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed the Sabbaths. As long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill the 70 years. So what are the 70 years? 490 years God waited for the Israelites to give the year, to give the land rest. Every seventh year, they were to let the land rest. So for 490 years, God said, well, maybe they'll do it this year maybe they'll do it. he waited that's that grace it's that mercy he gives to us so 490 and finally what did, what did we read here it says until there was no remedy 490 years it's done I'm going to have to take the 70 years Seven every 7th year add it up 70 years it's time to make the land rest and so if we look at Jeremiah chapter 5 we can see what's going to happen to Babylon after those 70 years so in Jeremiah uh, 5. Jeremiah 5, 1 through 3. It says here, Run to and fro through the streets of Jerus- Jerusalem. See now and know and seek in her open places if you can find a man, if there's anyone who executes judgment. And Where are the rulers? Where are the people in charge? Who seeks the truth? I will pardon her. Though they say, as the Lord lives, surely they will swear falsely, O oh Lord, are not your eyes on the truth? You have stricken them, but you have not grieved. You have consumed them, but you have refused to receive correction that they may, they, they have made their faces harder than rock. They have refused to return. So they refuse to return to the Lord, so the God has to do something. And this is what he does. And if we skip up to Jeremiah 51 we can see the picture now into where we're reading in chapter 5, 51 verses 36 and 37, it says, Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will plead your case. I will take vengeance for you. I will dry up her sea and make her springs dry. Babylon shall become a heap, a dwelling place for jackals, an astonishment and a hissing without an inhabitant. So, Really, verse 36, what we're looking at, it's kind of interesting in that for 20 years, or excuse me, uh, so Belshazzar, back to Daniel chapter 5, Belshazzar has this kingdom and they're surrounded by double walls and they're just, they're impenetrable. They have enough possessions at this time in chapter uh, chapter 5 we're looking at. They have enough food, supply of everything they need that if they were completely closed off from the outside world, that they could survive for 20 years. They could survive for 20 years. And so what happened was, is the river, the Euphrates River, would run right through the middle of Babylon. And so there's this huge double-walled uh, uh, walls all around the city. It comes in from the north and exits out to the, to the south of the Euphrates River. Well, I think, you know, when you're looking at Cyrus, he's not willing to wait 20 years to besiege the city. So they get a little creative. They dug canals from the Euphrates River. They started digging canals to go around the city. And they put in some sluice gates, and then they diverted the water of the Euphrates. The entire Euphrates River, they diverted it around the city. They had an encampment in the north side of the city and the south side of the city. And it was told that they would hear and they would listen for each other as soon as they would yell that they could go in waist high then the 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 north side and the south side both together went in into the city. Armies went into the city, and then they would take over, so they just literally walked into the back and walked into the north of the city. so the pridefulness of of this belshazzar they 're out here having this this party there in verse 23 we can read and you have lifted yourself up this is Daniel telling him you've lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven they have brought the vessels of his house before you and you have your lords your wives and your concubines have drunk wine before them you have praised the gods of silver and gold bronze and iron wood and stone which do not see or hear or know and the God who holds your breath in his very hand and owns all of your ways you have not glorified there's the prideful man and what he's doing turn with me to proverbs 31 proverbs 31 and here's here's a guy um belshazzar he as we are reading incredibly prideful man nebuchadnezzar was so too and it took him seven years to get that pride out of him till he would recognize the lord but proverbs 31 4 through 7 it says this it is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine. So this is instruction to, to future kings and, and this is, um, uh, uh, what is it, the words of, of King Lemuel's mother. And here's how you need to be, this is how you need to act. And it says, It's not for kings to drink wine or for princes intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law, pervert the justice of all the afflicted. And then he, then she goes, Give strong drink to him who is perishing, wine to whose heart... Uh, who, who are bitter of heart, let him drink and forget of his poverty and, and remember his misery no more. So there's a, there's a point or a time for that, but not for a king. Even in this day, outside of the, the biblical rationale that uh, setting the biblical things aside, he is bucking the system. A king didn't invite the, the women and the concubines into these kinds of things with the, his, all of his leadership with him. He's becoming, he's getting drunk before his leadership That doesn't happen So it just really shows you The self-control Even in the world that he has The lack of, of self-control The respect of leadership His example For for his own position and, and what other leaders need to do And so people If you think about it The people in this kingdom Entrust everything To him as a king He's their ruler And, and he's performing like this He's doing these things He cares nothing but of himself, and we can see the demise and what happens. Don't get me wrong, Nebuchadnezzar had issues, same thing. So you kind of think, well, gosh, maybe the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. As a parent, remember that. What is it that you need to work on? In fact, the, the pride, I mean, it goes down the ranks. It goes right on through the kids and so on. So we're going to check our, our, what is it, what's thought of the word, proclivity, or, or our natural inclination to 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 have an issue of pride as a leader or or something along those lines or an owner or whatever it is. Or if you are a son or a daughter, are we all sons and daughters? We are. Think about our parents. What were some of the struggles they had? What were some of the things that they had to overcome in the Lord or that they even didn't? Are you not going to have some of those natural tendencies just because you're born and raised that way? Those are the things. So we need to know and learn a way to master them. And how do we do that? It's only through the power of God, through His Holy Spirit, and it's through His Son, Jesus Christ, that we can do that. So when you look at this king, he's got these provisions for 20 years. He is so comfortable. I want to remind you that this army, they just went in under the walls right here at this time. They just went right in after the river. Why? They've been out there pounding on his wall. They've already been coming in. They've already been trying to come in, beating against the wall. How are we going to get through? How are we going to get through? He is so prideful. While they're doing this against him, they're celebrating this high feast and everybody's getting drunk. Nothing can happen to us. That's how far they are. They're so comfortable. There's no guards, no preparations. They're so, so comfortable in that false pridefulness that they have. There's no need for concern and their enemy is right outside the wall so how does that relate to today you know what the enemy is pounding on our walls to our families right now the enemy wants our kids the enemy wants our spouses the enemy wants us to fall so are we so comfortable we have no need to read his word every day to hear from him We, the one-year Bible, we keep talking about that, and I haven't even been saying it during the announcements, but you know what? I am so blessed. I learned so much just going through. I've been going through the Bible for a year, or actually probably two years before I got married. We're coming up on 20, almost 27 years. 27 years just going through it. Now, I know some years are rough. I, you know, on on the, you can track, and like the Bible app a few years ago, it was like I missed 90 days. I'm like, oh, That's a lot, but we just need to be consistent and go through his word and he is going to teach you He's going to show you these things that we need to do He's going to show us how not to be so comfortable and rest in the things that we think we can rest in and so Do we have are we so comfortable that we have no need? To pray for strength to pray for guidance to pray for that wisdom and then move forward in it that's what the Lord's instructed us to do. And then the last, I think, the other question is do we even have walls up? Do we even have walls? Are we shoring things up around us? Are we shoring up a good foundation? The Christian fellowship, the accountability. Are we showing up to church? Are we coming? Are we being taught? Are we are we teaching ourselves? Are we doing in devotions? Are we reading? Those are those, those are the building of those walls. And then to know that they're there and trust and lean on Jesus Christ. So so really, we've got a, a king here. He is mocking God back in, in Daniel chapter 5. He is mocking God directly with the things that, that are to worship him. And so, for us, it might be a little more subtle. You know, for us today, it might be a little more subtle. And you're like, what? what do you mean, subtle? How, how's that? So well, what do we have? What do we have that is for God's use that we might be mocking him with? Well, nebuchadnezzar uh, it's just all the vessels it's just a glass it's just a couple that represents a worship of of our god it represents a worship of their god so what is it that we have today what's in our vessels if you will or what are our vessels well we can think i kind of came up with three things time talent and treasure time is is the time that god gives us we have the talent which is our abilities our abilities well, Sal really talked about that today it's an ability that god gives us to do things well we can take that ability and invest it back in our kids and children's ministry or the cleaning or whatever it is there's an opportunity to serve the lord and you serve the lord by serving his people you take that ability and you go out into the workplace where you play where you're with your family whatever it is the treasure I talk about every time the service is open. I talk about the money that God gives us and the opportunity that we have to invest in His kingdom. We have that ability. Well, time. So I was kind of thinking, I remember sharing shared this many, many years ago, but look about our time. If you think about our time and we have this this time, you know, the time we're born, the time we die, okay? Well, what do we do with it? What, well, if we use the bathroom, Right. We shower, we go to the bathroom, we pretty ourselves up, you know, all that kind of stuff, and you think about it. You know, we do that every day, sometimes twice a day, whatever, brush our teeth, you know, all of these things. How much time does that take? Well, if you're, okay, an hour a day, maybe two hours a day, I, I don't know, how long your shower is, what do you do? Well, that's like 5 to 8% of our time. Well, now we're down to like 92% of our time left. What happens? Uh, we sleep. Do you sleep eight hours a day or do you sleep nine hours a day? That's 33% of our time. There's 24 hours a day. We sleep eight of it away. Well, maybe as we get a little bit older, we don't sleep that much. But the point is, another 33% gone. Well, that's 40% of our time gone. We can't even do anything with that. Working, we got to work. How much do you work? Is that, let's, what is it, eight, eight to five, right? Well, there's an hour break lunch there. There's, so there's nine hours. Then there's commuting. What are you doing that commuting time? All of these things. Well, there's another third of our life gone. So what are we looking at now? By the time we get all this, well, we've got to eat. We eat every day. We take time for lunch. We take time for dinner. We take time for breakfast. We have to prepare the meal. We're doing all these things. How much time does that take? By the time we're all done, we've got maybe 15%, 10 or 15% of our life left. What are we doing with that? Are we filling it with TV? Are we filling it with computer games? Are we filling it with just going out and watching games all the time or playing games or sports or what? Yeah, There can be time for that. Are we exercising all that time? Well, exercise profits us little. It does profit us. That's good. Keep us around a little longer so we can take that time. But the point is, the point is, what are you going to do with that time that's left? Second Timothy, chapter two, verse 19 verses 19 to 20. Um, Second Timothy 2: 19 to 20. It says here. Nevertheless, Paul writes to Timothy: the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal: the Lord knows those who are His. Praise God! I'm one of His. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Okay. Well, if I'm one of His and I'm claiming I'm a I'm a Christian, I've got to leave that sin behind. But. In a great house, he's talking about a house. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but there's also of wood, clay, some of honor, and some for dishonor. You can probably think of the ones for dishonor. We talked about that. There's about 8% of our time dealing with the shower and the toilet and all that kind of thing. I don't want to be that kind of vessel. But therefore, verse 21, if anyone cleanses himself of the latter, from the dishonorable things, the unclean things, the iniquity, and the the things that that separate us from the God he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. What kind of vessel are you? What kind of vessel are you? Are you one that brings glory to the Lord? You fill yourself up with the things that are going to glorify God? Or is it like Belshazzar and you fill them up with wine and debauchery and all the things that they're doing? Be a vessel of, of honor, a clean vessel. Isaiah tells us, Um, well before I get to that Belshazzar could have been there Belshazzar could have been there when his grandfather was out in the field for seven years little grandson he could have seen him out there I don't know but certainly the queen who introduced Daniel we'll read that in a second was there and knew what happened God was right there when Nebuchadnezzar went mad just as God was right there seven years later when Nebuchadnezzar was praising God God was there when you got saved God was there when you were born at the same time he was there when you got married at the same time he was there when you lost your job and there was a death in the family at the same time he was there when you died when you die he will be there he'll be waiting for you when you go to your ultimate home in fact isaiah 49 16 says i have inscribed you on the palms of my hands that's the writing that god did to us he inscribed us on the palm of his hands here's a writing on the wall what, what about the writing in this book? Remember, get back to it. How do we, we, we purpose in our hearts? It's by God's word when we go through these things. Um, so that verse, remember that verse 121, Daniel 121 that I said, well, I kind of stuck it there. Chapter one, next thing you know, Daniel purposed in his heart to do the right things before the Lord. And then at the end of the chapter, it says, then Daniel continued until the first day of King Cyrus. Why is that there? It's to remind us so that we know 65 years later, the very commitments we made now or when we were younger is going to hang with us 65 years into the future. What are we doing with that? What, do, what kind of commitments are we, are we making? It pays off. Look at Daniel here. He can talk to this grandson and tell him and be a witness before everyone else and us today. What are we doing with our life? What are the things that we're doing? Proverbs chapter 2, verse... Um, Six, we were uh, actually we had a we had a family. I got to uh, I was working home and I had a few minutes. I said, Hey, all the kids are home. They're homeschooled, and so let's just read. You know, we were supposed to read Proverbs a few days ago in our, our daily reading. Let's just pick up here. and And so I looked at Proverbs chapter two, verse six. Six to what is it? Twelve. It says here, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. How do these things happen? How do you walk uprightly? How do you have sound wisdom? It's all from his, his word. It's all from reading. It's all from getting that into our hearts. And then he guards the paths of, the, of justice. He preserves the way of his saints then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity in every good path. When wisdom enters your heart, verse 10, and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you. That's <laughs> so funny. We were talking about, uh, the kids and I were talking about, um, who I said, well, you know Sal, right? Oh yeah, we know Sal, because we go to the men's study Wednesday morning, and I mean, Sal's known my kids since they were born practically. And I said, well, so... What, where I read here Discretion will preserve you Understanding will keep you I said well Can you imagine Sal going by a brothel Or something Absolutely not First of all he's He's got wisdom enough To understand that There's no way In fact one of the kids chimed up Well the only way He would do that Is with a gun And get a family member Out if some family member Was stuck in there But the point is He walks uprightly We all walk uprightly And and the Lord's going to deliver us from evil. And how does he does that? There's a discretion that preserves us. There's knowing God's word that won't even let us go down there. Drags us back to where we need to be. Belshazzar completely missed the boat from his, his grandfather. And so when we look at it, so how do you get these things? We read it, we read it, we walk uprightly, we have that shield that's about us because we have that wisdom and that understanding. And so Daniel could go in before the king and tell him this because he has that history, that uprightness, that shield before him. Balaam, Numbers chapter 22, I won't go there, but he was a prophet that was hired by Balak to curse the Israelites. And Balaam actually perverting an ability that God gave to him that he could bless or curse people, perverting that is going to go against the nation Israel For money, for gain. He's perverting a gift that God gave him. And that's where he goes to curse the nation and says and comes out. What comes out? I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Oh he just gave him a blessing. Nehemiah tells us also what what Balaam did and he says uh, Nehemiah 13, uh, verses 1 and 2, it says, On that day, so everybody, the congregation got together, and they read from the book of Moses and the hearing of the people, and it was found written as it was found that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever come into the assembly of God because they had not met the children of Israel with bread and water but hired Balaam to curse them. So here's the, the confirmation. This is what he hired him to curse them. However, our God turned that curse into a blessing. Do God's people get cursed? Absolutely not. We have the protection of our, our of our God as long as we are following Him. Revelation 2.14 says that the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols to commit sexual immorality. Balaam was a wicked man. He perverted the things of God and found ways to to get that gain so that he could better himself in in perverting these these ways of god so verse back to uh, daniel verses 24 and 25 it says this it's in chapter 5 it says then the fingers of the hand were sent from him and the writing was written so the handwriting on the wall here it goes and this is the inscription that was written many many tekel yufarsin this is the interpretation verse 26 of each word many god has numbered your kingdom and finished it 27 tekel you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting perez your kingdom has been divided and given to the medes and the persians what's interesting how does daniel know it's been given to the medes and the persians they've been pounded on the wall outside of the door when, when Daniel sees this, that handwriting on the wall, but earlier in Daniel 5, what did it say when, when Belshazzar saw it? It says the, the the joints of his his hips or loins were loosed. That means he just let go of everything and his knees smote one another. Can you imagine what would Daniel be seeing? What would Daniel be thinking? Because I will tell you that Daniel, Daniel would be reading this. Daniel will already have read chapter Isaiah twenty three, Isaiah twenty three seventeen, twenty three seventeen, and it shall be at the end of seventy years that the Lord will deal with Tyre that she will turn turn excuse me, t- return to hire commit fornication with a king of kingdoms of the world on the face of the earth her gain and her pay will be set apart from the Lord. It will not be trespassed nor laid up for the grain for those who dwell before the Lord to eat sufficiently or fine clothing. Wait a minute, that was for Tyre. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Jeremiah, Jeremiah 25. <laughs> Isaiah, Jer- Jeremiah 25. Go to Jeremiah 25. 25, 11, and 12. Well, Daniel will be reading this as well. In this, the whole land shall be a desolation and astonishment, and those, these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. In verse 12, then it will come to pass when 70 years are completed that I will punish the king of Babylon for that and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, says the Lord. I will make it a perpetual desolation. So that's not a perpetual desolation, but he's punishing them at the end of the 70 years. This is what Daniel, so when Daniel sees the writing on the wall versus Belshazzar, Belshazzar is just, he knows this is something completely incredible. Can't even read it. And Daniel's like, oh,
0: wow, this is
1: exciting. Completely different things. Why? Because he knows God's word. He knows where things are going. He knows what's happening. Jeremiah 29.10 also says, says this. 29.10, For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. You guys are going to come back after 70 years. And Daniel's been there for 65 plus years. He knows it's getting close. He's been reading God's word. He knows. So what else does everybody know? In Babylon's recent history, we can go back to, to Daniel 5, or or Daniel actually 2. Daniel chapter 2. Within d- Babylon's own recent history, 2, 32, and 33, we can look at that dream that happened in the image head. So here was the dream that that Nebuchadnezzar had, and this was what was pro- prophesied into the future. The image ahead was of fine gold, its chest of arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. So he had this dream of this huge statue, and it was gold, silver, bronze, iron, and then down to clay. And and Daniel tells him that you are the head of bronze, but another one is going to come after you. It's going to be of silver, and that's the Medes and the Persians. And Daniel knows this, and everybody knows this. Everybody was told what that dream meant. And yet, there they are in this hall, drinking with with the Medes and the Persians, pounding on their walls. Again, that pride. And so, we can look at God's telling them and told them, this is what's going to happen. But he gives grace, and there's that time. Even the writing on the wall. It wasn't until the next day we can see in in verse uh, 30, we see that very night Belshazzar, the king of Chaldeans, was slain. It was that night, but it was several hours at the hand of the writing wall. Could he have not have come before the Lord and repented? Is not our Lord graceful enough? He wrote it on the wall. He spelled it out clearly. He could have repented. How do I know? We look at Eli. First Samuel. First Samuel, uh, chapter three. First Samuel, chapter three. We can look at Eli, in what he went through. Three chapter. Uh, chapter three, verse fourteen. We can look. Oops, long, long three, chapter fourteen. It says here, and therefore this is a prophet or this is God telling uh, Samuel and therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever back up to verse 13 actually it says for I have told him the Lord has told Eli that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them God already told him before but he didn't do anything yet Grace, grace, grace God's coming again Okay, it's coming It's coming It's coming I'm waiting I'm to the very last minute I mean, What did God do with the Israelites Until there was no remedy And then he finally had to take them away Same thing with, with Eli So where was the repentance? He never repented In fact, when he was told finally from Samuel Eli says, well, God's word is good In other words, it's true It's going to happen. Oh, my gosh. What is he thinking? What is he thinking? How about Jonah? Go to Jonah. Jonah chapter, um, I like, uh, let's see, Jonah, where's Jonah? I know I have Jonah in here somewhere. There it is. Jonah chapter... Chapter 3, verses 4 through 10. Let's just look at those. It says, And Jonah began to enter into the city um, to Nineveh, which is one of the most wicked cities there was huge, hundreds of thousands of people, right? And Jonah began to enter into the city on the first day, on the on the first day's walk. And then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. There's this message. So, verse five. So the people of Nineveh, Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth, the greatest of the least of them. And when the word came even to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, he laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything, and do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth at the cry and cry mightily to God yes let everyone turn from his evil way from the violence in his hand um, the, the violence that is in his hands who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that he so that we may not perish verse 10 what happened does that sound like repentance then god saw their works they turned from their evil way and god relented from disaster that he had had said that he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Wicked. I mean, these people were wicked, vile, horrible people. So wicked, Jonah didn't even want, didn't, he wanted them to burn in hell. He didn't even want to have God save these people. And so what happened is they got saved. Nineveh ended up with another 100 years because they turn from God. That's the grace that our Lord gives to us. Revelation chapter 9, verse 20 and 21. We can read... Um, I'll just read it real quick. Uh, probably should have wrote it down, but that's all right. Nine twenty and 21. It says, "...but the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold and silver, brass, stone, and wood." which came neither which can neither see nor hear nor walk and they did not repent of their murders or sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts god gave there were the first seal was a conqueror of death the conqueror came out and death everywhere the second seal people were killing one another the third seal was broken over and horrible famine came there's a fourth seal a fifth seal the se- sixth seventh seals all of these seals and then there were six trumpets god just saying guys turn to me turn to me turn to me turn to me after all of these things and they still did not repent where's the great it's all about god's grace and what he did go to chapter verse 21 what did we read in verse 5 nebuchadnezzar then he was driven away from the sons of men would go all the way down towards the end Till he knew that the most high God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses when he finally looked up and recognized God is in control God is sovereign he repented Nebuchadnezzar repented and God brought him back and so these guys, these guys all got a personal message they got a very personal message you have one too I have one too There's no writing on the wall for me, thank God. I don't want to see that. But the fact is, we have it right here in God's Word. It's a personal message to us. We should read it daily in prayer. Be with Him. In fact, um, I guess there is writing on the wall for us. In, In 1 Corinthians 10, 11, one of my favorite verses, I'll just read it. It says, now all these things happened to them as examples. These were written... Here, for us, as examples, that they were written for our admonitions upon whom the ends of the ages come. Are we not in the ends of the ages? We've gone through all of this time. The Lord's coming. These were written for examples for us to heed, for us to learn from. We have his word. He's talking to us all of the time. All the time he talks to us. Verses 26 to 29. This is the interpretation. I read through the interpretation, but verse 29, then Belshazzar gave the command. After after Daniel interpreted, it, he gave the command to clothe Daniel in the robes and give him all the royal treatment and all this stuff, but Daniel rejected it beforehand. said, I don't care about any of that. But if we look back just earlier in the chapter, we can look at who this queen said Daniel was. It was based on his living, on, on, on Daniel's living. In verse 7, chapter 5, verse 7, it says, The king cried aloud to bring the astrologers and all the Chaldeans and they couldn't do anything. But the queen, in verse 10, the queen said, Because of the words of the king and the lords, came, she came to the banquet. She didn't even have any part of it. Why? The daughter of, of Nebuchadnezzar. Maybe she knew the Lord. But she says, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in the kingdom to whom the spirit of the holy God, in, in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom. Can people say that you have light and understanding and wisdom? Do you speak the truth often enough? Are you in his word enough that someone can say, you know what, I know somebody, they can bring you peace. They can talk to you about the Lord and and let you know what's going on in your life and and what needs to be done. He says, like the wisdom of the gods was found in him and the king Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father, the king, it's actually his grandfather, but they don't have a word for grandfather. Made him chief of all the magicians, astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this man Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. She didn't call him Belteshazzar. She gave him uh, a judge of God. His, his God given name is what she even called him because she recognized who he was and how he ministered in a life. And so basically the the kingdom many many tackle before I say, the kingdom was counted, numbered, divided, that's it. Daniel knew. And so we can look Daniel 9. Just jump to Daniel 9 with me chapter chapter 9 verses 1 through 3. We can see Daniel, this is the same this is probably within a year of Cyrus coming in. It says in the first year of Cyrus, the son of Ahasuerus, in the the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I Daniel understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish seventy years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Daniel's like, you know, this this is seventy years. Verse three. Then I set my face toward the Lord to make request, prayer, supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. He says, Okay, Lord. I'm praying your word. I know your word well enough. I'm praying it. I know what you're doing. I know you're doing a work. And then he goes on. We can go back to to actually chapter 5, verse 31. And Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. So he's about 62 years. He gets the kingdom. Daniel's there. In verse 1 of chapter 6, here's Daniel. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. So he picked 120 people to run this kingdom. And over these, there were three. So there were three guys that had 40 satraps each, of whom Daniel was one. Daniel's already one of the three. He's like 95, 90 years old. And this brand new guy that comes in for a year puts him in over everything. And that the king why that the king would suffer no loss then this Daniel distinguished himself in verse 3 above the governors and the satraps because an excellent spirit was within him what kind of spirit do you have what kind of spirit do I have am I set apart because of that and he says here and the king gave thought to setting him over the entire realm so wow my life would be much easier to just have the wisdom of this man here that's what I'm gonna do and so if if nothing else you, everything else you're here just think about the writing that's on the wall what writing do you see what is it that you see what are you doing with your vessel are you before the Lord just glorifying him being filled with spiritual things so that you can go on and do the work of the Lord and be that witness that Daniel was are you that kind of vessel that's what we're called to do again 2nd Timothy 2 20 again it's that be that clean vessel. That's all we're called to do. How do we do that? Immerse ourselves in his word, doing his bidding the way he wants us to, just being obedient. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you and we thank you for for tonight, just another opportunity to hear from you, to hear your word, to understand the things that you're telling us. And above all, Lord, that I would be a person of integrity, that I would be able to fill myself with your word, that each one here would be able to do the same thing that people would see us. And I just remember something my mom always said before before I was saved and before she was even saved, and we went to some churches, and the one thing she said, what? they look so clean. They look so clean. It wasn't that they were all bathed up and showered up and looking pretty, but she recognized the Spirit of God in these people. They were clean vessels. Father, that we would be clean vessels, and that the writing that we see would be writing because we glorify you, and I just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand, and we'll sing one last worship song. Thank you. God bless. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Lift up your gaze, be lifted up. Tell everyone how great I've come down from heaven's gate to kiss the earth with hope and Lift up your hands, be lifted up, let the redeemed declare the light, and we bow down at heaven's gate to kiss the feet of hope and grace. See. who is this King of glory, the Lord, strong and mighty? one God he is holy glory strong In and mighty who the, the king, king of glory the lord strong and mighty you are the king of glory the lord strong and mighty night. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful evening and an even better week. We'll see you uh, Thursday, uh, Wednesday, you know. God bless you guys.